Hello, everyone. Do not mind the awkward waddle. It is all part of the process. I am Ray Lockdust, and I'm here today with Al Val, um, world famous comedian and heartthrob. <laughs> world famous. Yeah. Well, I didn't know my that. World. <laughs> my world's very small. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. Uh, I'll take it. I'm honored. Oh yeah. Lucky yeah. you. I'm world famous. <laughs> famous yeah that was um not my greatest intro but i'm glad it made you smile <laughs> um for those of you who tuned in last week this is billboard per person al val who had sent um a magical billboard to me to inspire me in my driving quest so thank you oh uh, okay. you had no idea what i was talking about and i for loved a second, that i completely forgot and i thought I'd, I'd done that and i'm like wow you know i'm really self-conscious about my memory but i was like that's that's an epic oversight <laughs> what billboard did i make this time <laughs> yeah oh well you you got blackout and you did another billboard thing man another you gotta just noticed my settings were weird don't mm -hmm. mind me i am that will be my last time getting up, though. You can tell because I fell when I sat down. <laughs> Man, everything on my desk is dusty as shit. Can I, can I swear I forgot to ask about that? Oh, yes. Yes, you can. Um, okay. I make up the rules so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I would have probably sworn anyways. Even if you told me not to, I can't help myself. I am a degenerate. That is fair. I think our first ever conversation was about how you swore at a show that you weren't supposed to or something. And that was like our introduction conversation when I drove you to St. Catharines that one time. It, it happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, like it's not a shocking story, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't curse <laughs> like a sailor, but I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you just need to punctuate your point with a nice juicy F-bomb. You're in luck. This is a um, F-bomb friendly and judgment-free zone. Okay. <laughs> well, fuck yeah, then. Fucking A. Okay. So, now to get serious and sober about what we're talking about today. So, um, we are here to play truth or dare, and our truths will carry with us the bomb of gender identity. Okay. Yeah. So, are you ready? I'm, I, yeah, sure, ready as I'll ever be. Okay, awesome. So um, we have, we each have an array of items around us within reach. That way we don't have to get out of the frame for any dares because this is a show and we want to be entertainer. So, how thou? I'm going to give you a bunch of truth bombs to give you a nice little warm up. Are you ready? They hit me. Okay, do you want them all at once or do you want them one at a time? Uh, uh, one at a time. Is this rapid fire? Do do I do you want me yeah, to answer as quickly as possible? All right. Okay. Name. Al. Val. Algis. Valulus. Full name. Algis Vita Santanas Valulus. Final answer. That is my full name. Algis Vita Santanas Valulus. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling the truth. That's the game. Yeah. All right. I won't right. lie to you. All right. Uh, what are your pronouns? Uh, I use all of them. He, she, they, them, just, you know. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't genuine for me because I didn't know, so I always just go to they, because when in doubt, they it out till proven otherwise. Yeah, when in doubt, they it out. I've never heard that before. I like I that. <laughs> all 
All right. Um, what is something that you don't expect to talk about today? Uh, my family. <laughs> <laughs> no promises. Give me two fun facts. I eat my pizza backwards, crust first, because the best part is the very center of it. It's the, I mean, the tip is good, but it's the middle part right past the tip. So I eat my pizza crust, and then I kind of go around the triangular slice into the middle. So that's fun fact number one. Fun fact number two, uh, I have had three surgeries on my knee, and I have a scar above my left forehead my left eyebrow because my brother threw a nerf bow and arrow thing at my head when i was four amazing my next question was most random injury is that it uh yeah <laughs> my brother threw a nerf bow and arrow at my head when i was four and i got stitches amazing okay um <laughs> so okay my turn to rapid fire you with questions oh, yeah, come at me um i'm gonna pretend like i have them here on this notepad Okay. All right. Name. Ray Lockdust. Uh, favorite color. Purple. Um, how many times have you gone skinny dipping? Three. Four. Define skinny dipping. Four. Naked in a public place with water. Does a hot tub count? Yes. yes. Yeah, yes. Ooh. Are there other people there? Seven? Okay. Oh gosh. Not counting yeah. Oasis. <laughs> oh, okay. That was one of them. <laughs> Minus Oasis. Yeah, that's what it is. Does that count? Okay. Okay, so six. Okay. Final answer. Um if you uh if you could have the power of flight, but in order to take off, you had to scream repeatedly at the top of your lungs, oh god, I'm farting. Oh my oh my god, I'm farting so hard. Ow, it hurts my butt. Would you take that power? Do I fart? Uh, you don't actually fart. You just yell a lot. You have okay. to yell that embarrassing stuff. You know what? Um, my elementary school reputation already had me as a gas bomb, so I'll take it. I will fly. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Then last question. Truth is, uh, if you want to get personal, what, if anything, did you get bullied for growing up? Oh, simply existing. Really? Yeah, I was that kid. Like it was, oh, um, it was not a good time for me. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. yeah so, like a lot of the things were just like, like, okay. So this is gonna sound so conceited, but the most baffling thing is I was called ugly in school. Okay. <laughs> and really? I just, like, I'm fine. Like it just. Like I didn't grow into it. I grew into my confidence for sure. Right. But it was just like, like when I look back on it, cause like I, I was just like, oh, I'm a troll, I'm gross. And then I look back on my old pictures and I'm like, what are these shits talking about? Yeah. The kids are cruel. Kids will find anything to yeah, make fun for. I was blamed for 9-11. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's just, um, that's part of the, the gas bomb reputation. Basically I farted during silent reading. Oh no. Yeah. And that's it. And and it was the worst because I started laughing and no one else did. And I laughed so hard I farted again. <laughs> and yeah, oh. so I was I was that kid. And that's I mean that shit would be hilarious as an adult now. 
<laughs> yeah, now, now it's funny, but as a kid, it is traumatizing. Mortifying. Worst thing that ever happened. Jeez. Mm -hmm. I got, oh, I God. used to go to, uh, I, okay, I was telling my buddy this story the other day. Uh, my parents sent me away to Lithuanian camp. Like, I gave you my crazy name. I'm Lithuanian by background. And my parents, one summer when I was like 12, 10, 10, uh, they sent me away to like a two-week summer camp uh, in Vermont for like Lithuanians. And my aunt volunteered to be our, our cabin's counselor. And things were going well for the first like three or four days until she, in front of everybody in the cabin, uh, produced a pair of my underpants with skid marks on them. And she was like, Aggie, are these yours? These are yours, right? They have your name on the, on the, on the waistband. And she like outed me for my shitty underwear in front of all these kids. They barely know who I am. They already think I'm a fucking weirdo. So, uh, I, you know, for the next two weeks, I was bullied relentlessly for being a, a shitty my pants, even though it was just a skid mark. Man, it was hot. It was a hot summer. Shit gets oily down there. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I'm 10. Fucking leave me alone. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. When, when I was in grade two, I peed my pants during um, Hail Mary at oh, the beginning boy. of the day. Because my teacher would not let me go to the washroom, she was like, no, nope, you have to wait till after announcements. And I was just like, but I have to go. And she was like, you should have gone before you came to school. And I was just like, I did. And she was like, too bad, you have to stand at your desk. And I was like, fine. And then I peed everywhere. And then um, years later, I um, like, like through like years of not having friends and stuff, I'm at a dance and I'm making friends with this group of random girls that were just like in front of me in the line yeah. and it is so nice like it is literally this is the first moment in my life I feel like I am included in a part of a group I'm talking we're having fun we're just laughing I didn't even get their names and then all of a sudden a group of boys from my elementary school literally like walk up to the group push me into it and say like remember when you pushed your when you pissed yourself fucking dirty whatever and like called uh. me and then walked away and all the girls just looked at me and walked away uh, and, I, and I just went home. <laughs> oh, that sucks. You didn't even go in? Um, no, that was inside. That happened oh. inside. So I'd uh, already had to go in. God. Yeah. That was heartbreak. Um, yeah. Not my Strong not pain. my worst part of the story, but let's move on before um the trauma sinks in. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um it is always looming. <laughs> like a shadow. It's just following us around. I am notorious for sharing stories and then realizing how horrifying they are afterwards. So I'm like, your parents shouldn't do that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you ready for the actual game now? Okay. Yeah. I All think right. I am. I'm sufficiently warmed up. All right. Let's Good. Do it. Awesome. Truth or dare? Truth. Truth. All right. Question number one. Um, how did coming out impact comedy for you? Um, uh, incredibly positively overall. Like I, I'm, I gotta say 2020, I, it might hurt some people to hear this, but 2020 has been the best year of my career, really. 
Um, ever since I came out, people found me interesting again, you know? Yeah. Not again. I mean, like, people always found me somewhat interesting, but there was this sort of dismissive. I just, you know, I, I have the demeanor of kind of a bro-y guy, so it's easy to just sort of take me at face value and just discredit me for being a vapid, empty-headed, fucking chest-bumping, white hetero, privileged, blah, 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 blah. But, like, yeah. you know, as soon as I had something more heartfelt and personal to say, and as soon as I sort of engaged with uh, my insecurities and the shit that I'm working through, uh, it just opened a lot of doors. I think people appreciated that level of honesty and vulnerability. It used to be all of this inconsequential nonsense that I would talk about. And you've seen my act. It's really physical and improv and it's still really silly. But at the same time, there's they're just just by virtue of the fact that I was figuring myself out at that age and my circumstances were really unique, it just lended itself to so much material. It's great. Really helped my career. So I joke that like, fuck, nobody cared about me until I threw on a wig and a dress. And part of that is true. And that is an insecurity that I have to deal with. Mm -hmm. But it's it's hard when I'm when I'm down on myself. It's hard not to think that way. But I think beyond that, it's 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 much more than that. It just represents uh, me just kind of being vulnerable and having something a little bit more unique to say. Yeah. And boldly engaging with that material, whether no matter how humiliating it is, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's actually like like a thing I've enjoyed a a thing I've enjoyed about your act is that like. Um, you do come across as like like the broy person, like, and I like the way that you do. It's like a slow win over mm -hmm. with people. Like, like um, my my first my first Alval experience was um, at the sports bar and grill, okay. and I, and I was like I was um, I was cast in the show, and like it was my first non like queer show. Right. As far as I knew, I had no like I didn't know who you were. I didn't know I'd never been there before. Like I, I was just like, ah, this is straight people in sports. I'm terrified. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I and I remember said something like I said something about just like uh, I, I just said something about like like being being like alone and queer or something. Then you went up and you did your coming out story, and I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> and it was just so just like like it made me feel like any place could be safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and I, I was, um, I will admit, I was. Um, well, I'm scared of everyone when I meet them at first, but I, I immediately um, stopped being afraid after actually like seeing you be vulnerable. Uh huh. And that was just like a, that was a good experience, and I just wanted to share that. Cool. Well, I'm touched. I mean, it it only points to the fact that I've. I am kind of living proof in a way that you you can't judge somebody based on how they look. Like I, it is incredible to me, and it continues to happen, where I'll be in a group of mostly strangers or acquaintances, people who don't know me that well, and like the issue of of transness or LGBT stuff will come up, and as soon as I start to verbalize an opinion, I somebody in the group will shut me down before I've had a chance to open my mouth. They're like, "What what the fuck do you know?" And it's like. Do you want to hear my story? Because I can, I can shut you the fuck down. I know more than you do, motherfucker. So yeah. it's just, and and besides that, not to stray too far from the point, but like the irony is that that sports bar 
I, I work there part time and everybody who works there from management down is LGBT, like everybody's queer in some way. So it's a sports bar, but the way things are changing, especially especially in a city like Toronto, is that the stereotypes just aren't true. They just don't exist anymore. Like you can be queer and still like UFC, <laughs> you know, they're not mutually exclusive. And, and I'm just, I'm, I've been shocked by audiences too. I've gone in fucking terrified. I'm like dressed full to the nines, fully feminine. And, and I'll, and I'll size up the audience before I've had the chance to go up and be like, these people are going to fucking hate me. They're going to be confused by me. They're just not going to like this. Mm -hmm. and I've been pleasantly surprised every single time. I think you got to give people a chance to not only process, but but give them a chance to exceed your expectations. Drop the expectations to begin with. And and I don't know. I just, uh, I, I don't know where I was going with that point. I think it's, the point. the point is you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised by people if you don't assume they subscribe to a certain ideal, you know? Yeah, stereotypes are so dangerous and it's just that's how you have people who just jump to conclusions and like like when you see people get into arguments where like almost both people are making like similar points but they're talking around each other because no one's listening. Mm -hmm. And it's just because both of those people often will have made an assumption about the other and it's like it's as an improviser you will know like like you want to listen to what the person is saying before you know what you're going to say in response because that's just how conversations should work, but it just seems to be how a lot of people don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially when it comes to uh, highly divisive issues, uh, highly like these powder keg hot button topics, like everybody just kind of waits for their turn to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had um, I had an uncle assume that um, like like he it was like yelling about um how everyone wants to make Santa Claus a woman or like genderless, and he was just like yelling at um his daughter about how I probably am one of those people because I always want to play Santa Claus at Christmas, and it's just like no, that's just who I am as a person. Yeah. Like I like the story of Chris Kringle is a about a man that's fine, but just let me wear a beard sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> They're unrelated issues. <laughs> the, the nihilist in me deep down hears something like that, and I'm like, one way or another, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck what Santa Claus looks like? Yeah, I don't, I just don't get any of it. I can't, I feel like a robot in that. I just can't process why that would be so important to someone that Santa Claus has to be a white bearded man and why it would be important to someone else that is like, Oh, I want to change Santa Claus. Like, why do you all care? <laughs> why does anyone care? I don't get it. It's, it's, I think it's just like, like you grow up with Santa Claus. It's a, like an emotional connection. Um, you just want to have your childhood remain the same as you're sharing it with the next generation because your memory is as it is. Yeah. So then when it's changing, you're looking at it as these children, these people are going to respond differently. They're going to have a different experience. And a lot of the time people jump to different is bad, different is worse. Right. Even though sometimes it's just like, oh, we went to the store and Santa Claus didn't have our matching skin tone. And then we took a picture with him and now we have a picture with Santa Claus. 
which yeah. is the goal of going to the store. And like, okay, so I get your point, totally. But I yeah. think it's some feeble attempt at, at humanity's, it's some feeble humanitarian attempt to, to feel like you're, you're passing a piece of you on. It's, it's like, it's a way that people feel like they need to immortalize themselves in their stories. Like Santa Claus, when I grew up, was fucking white and bearded. And therefore, if I pass this story on to you, a piece of me goes with it and lives on forever, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if I'm over-exaggerating. But I feel like there is some kind of fundamental human impulse to to carry on some legacy in whatever shape or form. And even if it takes the shape of some arbitrary fictional man in a red suit, you know? Yeah. I just I don't I don't attach myself to any of that stuff. None of it makes any sense to me. We're all gonna be dead someday. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I guess like like my important the important legacy I want to leave on is like don't be a dick. Yeah, I mean, your legacy, just to be a kind person is enough of a legacy. Just to change someone's, just to put a smile on somebody's face for one day, fuck, you did it. You, you, yeah, that's you've accomplished um, something. That's fine. Yeah, that's all I want. Like, in, I'm, I'm studying social work. So, a lot of our, um, like, beginning courses are just like, why do you want to do this? Like, like what drives you? Why are you here? And and it's just like we also had to do a vision board about what journey we want to take. And mine is just like whatever path I take, like whether comedy ends up like, like maybe comedy will be bigger for me. That'd be great. Or maybe I'll end up just being like a social worker and dedicating my life to that. That would be great. And I'm open mm -hmm. to all the possibilities. Maybe I will combine both and do therapeutic improv or something because that is something like like I improv absolutely like changed and saved my life because of how it impacted and impacted me and I would love to be able to spread that to others yeah and I've done research on like like um people with um learning disabilities um learning new languages like um and just uh so many different things and improv just helps mm -hmm. so it's yeah. yeah, but it's, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's the little things that really make a life rich. It's not fucking Santa Claus. Maybe yeah. it is. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm coming across really grumpy and judgmental it's right like, out of the gate. Santa Claus can make you smile for a day. Sure, yeah. I, you know, I, I really don't stand by any of my opinions, so uh, <laughs> I'm willing to let that one go completely. Yeah. <laughs> if Santa Claus is important to you, then... Congratulations. Yeah, just don't be a dick about it. Yeah, exactly. You you can it can be important to you. Just Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't I don't get when like I yeah, I don't get remaking movies to be new. And then furthermore, I just don't get people's responses when they're like Ugh, they they made them all girls. It's ruined ruined my childhood. I'm like, how fragile was your childhood that they changed the Ghostbusters to women? You know, mm -hmm. ah, all of it. I'm like, who cares? You know, if somebody likes it, let them like it. <laughs> I had to walk out of the theater. Oh, poor you, poor, poor you. <laughs> yeah, with. With the Ghostbusters, it's judge the movie, not like 
the genitals of the actors, maybe yeah. just hot take. Yeah. <laughs> just like be excited about things. Don't look at everything that stars women as like a women comedy. Maybe just look at it as a comedy. Yeah, exactly. Like that. that is, uh, but I digress. <laughs> like that could that could be like an, a two hour episode of just yeah. the, of the Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's been done on the old YouTube already. So <laughs> I'm sure it's been talked to death, and right now it's hardly relevant. What I came out like five years ago. <laughs> we yeah. might as well let that one go. I don't know. I might have a unique take on it. Maybe I'll just wait till the new, new one. Oh yeah, there is another one. Yeah, right? yeah I um, I think they're doing the gender 50-50 this time to appease everyone. Okay. Because you, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the nihilist right. in me, once again, does not really care. <laughs> I don't care what gender anybody is. <laughs> Just be a good person. Bust ghosts. That's your job. Uh, get hired on merit. You bust a ghost? Fucking great. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Um, in our comments, I, I can't reach over to show them up on the screen because whatever. But um, we have Gabriel is saying, I like that there was a queer ghostbuster and I really enjoyed Kate McKinnon's portrayal. And that is just an important fact about that movie that I thought I would share because Kate McKinnon is kind of the best part of that movie. <laughs> I don't remember. Does she identify as queer in the movie? No, she's just, well, I think at the end she gets a girlfriend actually. Okay. But like, she's queer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She is, she is queer, right? Yeah, in real like, life. The actor's queer, but like Holtz is queer. Okay. Yeah, cool. it's such a queer character. There's Sweet. no way it's not allowed to not be. <laughs> I <Yeah>. say. <laughs> nice. Yeah, as as the self um self selected um, queer representation master, I say queer. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on your title. Thank you. I I made it myself. <laughs> I already forget it. <laughs> it's like when rappers make up their own nicknames. You know. I think about rap sometimes and like if you really zoom out a lot of the stuff that they do uh is not as cool as it sounds you know if you grew up giving yourself a nickname everybody would laugh at you they'd be like i'm not calling you that you can't come into school and be like call me blade <laughs> You're, everyone's gonna be like no i'm not calling you blade but in rap, you can start. You can start your song. And be like, "Yo, it's Al Val, aka Soccer Trophy, aka Stealing Fan, aka the Dopest, aka." People are like, "Look, you're getting carried away with giving yourself nicknames, man. Just pick something." My my entire personality is about not making decisions. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know what? I I want to give myself a hundred nicknames. Yeah, but I just don't believe in it. You don't believe in? Do you do you believe that like people can give you a nickname, but you can't give yourself one? Yes, I think there's something a little bit more sacred in being endowed a nickname rather than just coming up with one yourself. You know, like my soccer coach used to call me Jones for no reason. He was like an old Macedonian guy who'd be like, "Hey, Jones," 
I like, and I have no idea where it came from, but it stuck. And I loved Jones. I just, <laughs> it had nothing to do with anything. So I thought that was a great nickname, Jones. Yeah. I'll be Jones. Yeah. Do you have a nickname? Did I, has anybody given you one? I have so many nicknames. Um, a lot of them are related to the old dead name, but, um, you know, and anyone who watches the show probably knows it because I did start the show before I changed my name. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, I would be called Rachie Poo. Okay. Which was eventually shortened to just Poo. Nice. To a point where I would turn if like someone would be like, ah, Poo. And I'm like, yes. Wow. Yeah, I had to, um, when my brother started reproducing, I had to sit him down and ask him to stop referring to me as Pooh because I was called, um, I was called, I, I used BB instead of auntie or uncle um, because gender, whatever. Anyway, um, I was called BB Pooh. Okay. And that was enough for me. Bebe that was it. That was, I was, nope, she needs to know my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you might as well get started on that. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, It'd be one thing if she wasn't developing her brain around the idea of me being a literal piece of shit, but. <laughs> right. I mean, I like, by the way, that we've got a theme going with all the references to farts and poops at this point. We're like, you, you've got a brand that we're working with. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I escaped this. <laughs> what is, can I ask, what does BB stand for? Oh, it's like B-I-B-I. -B -I. Um, so it is, um, I want to say it's Swedish, but I might be wrong, but it is the, like the gender neutral, um, okay. like, um, the parents sibling. Cool. So, like nibbling is for niece or nephew. I oh. think that was so cute. Cool. <laughs> and little nibblings. Little nibblings. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. Yeah. But, um, shall we continue? It is my turn. Sure. Um, uh, tr truth. No, dare. dare. Supposed to be asking truth or dare, actually. I ask. So I ask you, right? Yeah. Oh wait, yeah, truth or dare. Sorry, sorry. Oh, I'm an idiot. Okay. Truth or dare. Truth or dare. I choose dare. I I dare you to peel that banana and eat it through the roll of the toilet paper. Okay. Without your hands. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eat the banana through the toilet paper roll. Okay. Oh no, it's bruised. Oh, Too well. bad. We didn't know that. I ate the bruised part first. <laughs> Should I do okay. it from this angle? Is this better? Yeah. Then it fits. There we go. I kind of want to like just. I wish my camera was better quality because this is just amazing looking. It's just it's glowing magnificently. From the people that brought you banana and toilet paper comes banana toilet paper. <laughs> the most convenient way to holster a banana while taking a dump. You are BB poo. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, that was. There are a million uses. Uh oh, did you just sit on your violin? 
my yeah, my violin fell, and then I picked it up, and then I dropped my banana. And uh, now my banana is covered in dog hair, so I'm gonna stop eating the banana. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a way better dare to be like, eat the dog hair banana now. Now there's banana on my toilet paper. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. You've done enough. Done enough. Yeah. Mission accomplished. <laughs> okay. Charmanana. Oh my gosh. Can, can you see the comments when they come up? Where on on uh, StreamYard? Um, yeah. Oh, there they are. Yeah. Oh, I was looking at I was looking at a private chat. Oh, that's the boring part. Look at this. Yeah. Oh, since you have access to your mouse, can you put them on the screen? Are you able to do that? Do you have control? I have no idea. I've never been on the other side of StreamYard before. Of pretty links. Oh, um, if you put if you like click on the comments, you should be able to make them appear. So it'll be like, show. Mm, no. no. My guess is because I'm the host, only I have that power, but that's okay. Sorry, Gabriel, your um, pun will be lost. I can share screen with you if you wanna, like it'll zoom out and it'll show you them in a little microscopic space in the corner like that. You know what, I think we're good. Okay. Actually, we're good. I'll, I'll keep track of it. We can both shout them out when they come yeah. up. Every now um, and then we can just say Charmanana as well. Charmanana? Charmanana. 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 All right. Now, um, now I've eaten my Charmanana. <laughs> Yum. Yeah. Oh, so, Elva, truth or dare? I'll take a dare. You'll take a dare? Okay. Yeah. Um, I dare you to um, balance that squishy ball on your head for the duration of the show. This one? Yes. Okay. Looks like a squishy ball. I... Oh, this is going to be really hard. Yeah, that is going to be hard. I um, That's probably not the best dare I could have given you. Okay. You know what? You can just um, do it till the next round because the whole show is intense. Okay, I'll pay. I'll stay perfectly still. How's how are my how are my uh, is my volume good? Did yeah, you you're great. Okay. <laughs> Ultimate focus. Yeah. You like I? This really makes me realize I am so hyper aware now of how much I gesticulate when I talk, and how much I move my arms around and my head. So this is the hardest thing to stay perfectly still and make my point at the same time. <laughs> well, um, oh. <laughs> I don't know why that startled me. I think it's just because I am a fierce warrior. Um, yeah, that's, I was just ready. Okay. All right. Um, Your turn. Yeah. Truth um, or dare. Truth. Okay. I probably should have prepped for this. Um, what is uh, okay? Can I can I make this a two parter? Can I like ask one opening question to see if there's something that I can ask about the second part? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, have you been? Have you ever been outside the country? Yes. Okay. 
do you have what is the scariest experience you've had outside of the country uh do you have one a story about that kind of thing um i went to new york a few years ago and um i was with someone who was just like, like showing me the ropes and taking me around and it was someone who's like who had been there a few years before and like wasn't doing any research was just kind of doing the i know what we're doing attitude mm -hmm. so we decided we were going to go see the statue of liberty and we um we look up like how to get there and we get off the subway and there is like a tour group that's just like hey like like um forty dollars a person we um take you on a bus we drive you there then you go on a boat your a drink is included and then the boat goes to the island you have a good time then you come back and then we take you home mm -hmm. and we were just like that's a nice idea let's do that so we pay eighty dollars for our two tickets that say $20 on them. And then we get on a bus. We overhear someone mention paying $12 for their tickets. And uh -huh. then we overhear someone else saying $30 for their tickets. So I think they were just kind of like, oh, whatever price. So yeah. then this bus drives us from wherever we were in New York to some random place in New Jersey where we can like see the Statue of Liberty like a few, like, like a few kilometers out. And there's a tent there and a picnic table and they leave us there and they say, the boat will come for you within an hour. And we're just like, okay. And we wait and two more buses show up and there is no one there. And two hours goes by and we just left. Okay. And Holy shit. Yeah, we could have gotten kidnapped. Like that could have been a really bad thing. Like I'm, I'm glad it was a scam and not a kidnapping. Yeah, especially the fact that they had. I yeah, I guess they had less sinister intentions. They just wanted your money and to drop you off as a group in this one big area. Yeah, it's that or like maybe something happened after we left because like there were still a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. so, like, I hope they're fine. I think back on them sometimes. <laughs> just like I should have like gotten someone's number. <laughs> just to yeah. Be okay. Yeah, really. Every man for themselves. That was it. We were just like, bye. I went to. Go, I, I I had a. I, I went to go see waitress that night, so I had to go. Okay. It was totally worth it. I that night actually another scary experience. I had a panic attack in the middle of Times Square at midnight on a Saturday night. Oof. Yeah, that was not one of my best moments. Yeah, I, I can't, what, what brought it on? Just all the noise and excitement? Um, there is a triggering scene of relationship in the story. So with my own personal experiences, I was a bit um, emotionally, bleh, and I was walking out and I honestly don't even remember getting there. I just like all of a sudden, like I walked out of the, like, I walked out of the play and then next thing I know, I'm just in the middle of Times Square and like just my heart is about to explode. And the person who I was with was like, not someone I was like romantic with, but was someone who was like, was like, please let me make love to you all the time. And I was just like, no. And, right. <laughs> and so I just like stand there and I'm like taking a moment trying to like ground myself because like I'm surrounded by probably a million people. And all of a sudden I just like feel arms wrap around me and he just holds and it was just like i just like elbowed him in the stomach and ran to a subway 
Oh my god. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, that was um that was like uh that was um my trip to New York was amazing except for the person I was with. Ah, uh, that sucks. That <laughs> sounds terrible. The trip was so amazing. I went to the David Bowie Museum. That was like the reason I went. Like when the trip offer came about and I was just like, I don't like you, but I do like that museum. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh can I just point out uh the the contradiction in your terrifying story about a panic attack and the fact that I still have to have this thing on my head. I wish I could engage. Fuck it, it's gone. I wish I could have engaged with a little bit more sincerity, but it's kind of hard when you have a little plush Raphael from the Ninja Turtles sitting on your fucking head. <laughs> Anyways, that sounds awful, and I'm sorry you experienced that. That sucks. Thank you. I, um, I'm sure my next trip to New York if the world doesn't explode, we'll be much better. Yeah. And yeah. whenever that might happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to avoid the States for a little while. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. Yikes. Speaking of, there's a there's the vice presidential debate going on tonight. Oh, wow. Huh? That's what we're competing against. That explains why we have more viewers than usual. <laughs> That why we have more than yeah. usual. Hey, nice. What's up, people? Where yeah. do you see where do you see the number of viewers? We we don't actually have more than uh, usual, but well, <laughs> great. I was I starting to feel good about myself for a second there. I'm like they're there for me. Oh, we actually lost a viewer when I said that. Oh shit! <laughs> I'm sorry. Come back. You they matter. Felt, they felt very called out. Yeah, they're like, oh, how do they know I'm watching? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, truth or dare? I did dare last, right? Yeah, truth. Yeah. All righty. Um, so you've been doing comedy for how long? 14 years. 14 years. Wow. I thought it... I thought it was 10 and I was impressed. So <laughs> I started when I was 18. The first four to five, I was in London and I was at university. So I was performing like once a month, if that. No, more, more than that. Maybe twice a month. So it's one of those things that comedians like always feel like they have to qualify their qualify certain years. But if I were to reduce it to a number, yeah, 14 years. Awesome. Yeah. I, and is that like solely like stand up for comedy or? No, improv. I did both. Uh, I started out doing both and pretty much like I focused on stand up after a certain time. It was like nine years in, I think my troupe finally disbanded our improv troupe after a fringe show. And uh, since then, I kind of focused on stand-up, but I still do like the occasional improv thing. And I have overdued with Velvet Wells. So I still like, I don't know. And my stand-up, I improvise a lot too. But as far as strict improv is concerned, traditional improv, if there is such a thing, <laughs> I don't really do that as much anymore. Yeah. yeah um, you, do, you do teach though, right? I, I did for a while. I teach kids. Or I teached. I taught. <laughs> thank God I didn't teach them English. I taught kids improv. They were they were ages like nine to thirteen. I think was the class. 
Mm-hmm. And it was a nightmare. And I hated every second of it. It paid decently well, but I hated every second. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, there were some times when, like, that's the thing. I did, like, four seminars, four semesters. And the first few were, like, I didn't like the kids. They were little. I'm not a, I'm not a disciplinarian. I'm not good at standing my ground, which, which, like, I would leave those classes just feeling so pathetic about myself that I'm like, are you that spineless? And, and like, so hard to respect that you can't fucking keep these kids in line. Like I would leave that thing feeling like an absolute spineless coward just because I was like, I cannot discipline these kids. I can't get them to listen to me. I'm a fucking wet blanket that they just kick around on the floor. Hmm. So it sucked. Every class sucked. It made me feel awful about myself. And then and they every semester would end in them doing a show for their parents and their parents would come out and these kids would light up and they would actually pay attention and start listening to each other and actually playing the games and the the parents loved it the kids just turned it on for the for the class year end show and the parents would come up to me after the show and be like that was fantastic that was great thank you so much and all of it in that moment i would forget all of the torture and humiliation that I had gone through only for that moment. And then as soon as the parents, and then the kids would come up and be like, yeah, thanks. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember you are a shit bag. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also taught improv to kids. Um, I wasn't paid for it though. So. That, that is a scam. It was, I was ripped off. I was supposed to be paid for it, but we won't get into that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was. I forgot I never I, I, I honestly like I always think about this as like a nice memory because I enjoyed doing it and I forgot I didn't get paid until you mentioned that you were paid and I was like that's the thing people do is <laughs> yeah, yeah get paid for work what yeah. a concept uh, I've been, in comedy yeah. sorry go ahead I was just gonna say, I've been ripped off so many times in my life for things I currently have someone owes me like almost two grand for a makeup job I did two years ago wow and I'm just like, every time, like every time I reach out, they're just like, we're having a huge tragedy, and it's at a point where I'm just like, I no. like twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> it's been a long yeah. time. Do you I figure it'll a payment plan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you figure it'll ever happen? You'll get see any of that money? No, I was no. at least hoping to get reimbursed for my supplies. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it was like my first big job as well. I was like the head artist on a full feature and it was such a shit show. It was like we should have filmed the making of because the film never ended up getting going um it never it it's finished but it was never whatever the next step was never happened because of whatever reason. Right. And the making of this film, like it was a horror movie and we were snowed in a cabin and we weren't able to leave. So we were just in this cabin making a horror movie for 10 days. There's something, there's something kind of cool about that. But of course I'm saying this from the outside, not having yeah. experienced it. It's That's, awful. Yeah, that does sound really shitty if you're, it sounds fun theoretically, really awful practically. Yeah, it 
I do believe that if the crew had been closer and like maybe like people who got along better, it would have been like a fun experience. Instead, it was just like a lot of people. Like I actually, um, the, the lead actor and I like are still friends. And mm -hmm. so like, that's great. Like I, I ended up meeting, like making like a very dear friendship out of it. So like, that's great, no regrets. But like, holy hell, one of my worst ever makeup stories is from that day or that week. Um, but it's it's a long one and that's not um today's topic so okay yeah it, I, I mean unless you can incorporate poo or farts in some way then we'll stay on topic oh my goodness um no no fart stories i did oh ew i just remember i had two um so in the so it was a horror movie so there was a monster who was supposed to be like made a film uh -huh. so it's like she came out of a camera okay and the um so like like full body paint, and I had to um, I had to help the monster use the washroom. Oh no! And that's a thing in my life. I forgot I did. Wow. So, <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> I went to nursing school, and that's like the worst thing that happened to me. Is that the friend that you bonded with? Because I was going to say that is a real bonding experience. Gosh, actually. This, um, she was, she was, the monster was a literal monster and she kept like, um, because body paint takes a long time and it was a six hour project and she knew that going in because she had done it before for the test, um, version. Mm -hmm. And so like, she knew how it felt, she knew how long it would take and she knew that she had to do it every day for five days. Yeah. Oof. And the first day she, um, so for a certain scene, like the monster had like big claws mm -hmm. and so they needed, um, so they wanted to just do that scene first. So she lost access to her hands. That's annoying. I get it. But then um, she ripped one of them off and they took me 45 minutes to put on. Uh -huh. Like she just like went to the washroom and like ripped it off without like consulting me. Like she literally just like got up while I was painting her without saying anything and then came back with like her face and arm ripped up. Oh my god and i was just like uh and then, like you know she was just awful she she started she set an alarm to go off every 15 minutes just to remind me how long i was taking that was explicitly the point that's what she told you yeah wow like it was not it was it was a horrible experience she was fired she rightfully so Fuck that yeah, like pretty much um, there was a time when she came back after like ripping everything up and then I was told that I needed her in full costume in half an hour and I was just like, I can't. And then um, I, I go I go to her just to be like, hey, they need you on in half an hour. So we have to do just like a quick version of it just to get a visual because like I was lucky that it was like a distance shot so I could have been able to fake it. Yeah. And she went, I need a break. I'm a human being. And I was okay. just like, I get that. I feel you. I feel that, but like they do need you in half an hour. And she's like, I need 15 minutes. And I was just like, I'll see what I can do. So I went and I told the producer about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and somebody's got to hold her accountable, right? Yeah. And then she was sent home. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, know. You just, you just kicked her out into, into a snowbank. <laughs> No, actually, the day after she left was the day rugby tossed her. So she left. What? Sorry. Oh, the the day after the day she left was the day of the snowstorm. Mm -hmm. so I think oh, it was 
I think she cursed us. Yeah, I think so. Darn. Did they find a replacement for her? The caterer. We just had the caterer just woke up early in the morning, did all of the meals for the whole day, and then went into makeup. Wow. She was a trooper. Like, I just, like, I was just, like, so amazed by everything that she did. That's cool. Yeah. Was she a natural in front of the camera? How'd no. You no. No, she was adorable, but she was not supposed to be adorable. Like there's like like um a, another scene where like the monster grabs. It's supposed to be like this stiff like claw, and she just kind of goes like, eh. yeah. So they had to like, direct her in how to be spooky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was you know that's the thing. Like everybody thinks acting is a lot easier than it is, but then you know take for example, you see like an athlete. Whenever athletes do a good job acting then I'm super impressed because those guys have no idea. And you just see so many, like if they're in a commercial or something for toothpaste, they'll be like, ha, ha, my name's Kevin Sanderson. This is good toothpaste. It'll make your teeth all white. Okay. <laughs> commercial. You're like, wow, bravo. Well done. Yeah. Shaq's pretty funny. Shaq's good. Peyton Manning. Anyways. Yeah. I digress. Uh, whose turn is it? Oh gosh. Um, oh, that was your truth. So. Okay. So your turn. Truth or dare? Um, I believe I did truth last time. So dare. You said you have a shot glass with hot sauce in it. And honey. But yes, I do have a shot glass of hot sauce. Yeah, then shoot both. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I brought. Okay. Shoot honey, honey first, hot sauce second. Honey first, hot sauce second. Okay. Yeah. Also, look how cute these little shot glasses are. Adorable. They remind me of some Alice in Wonderland shit. Oh, you're just going for it. <laughs> True dare fashion, you know? Like, you you really take a dare seriously. Of course. You don't hesitate. <laughs> you don't... <laughs> you, don't, you don't have any preamble... You just dove right in. All right, let's see it. Hit that hot sauce. And you're being thorough too? Of course, no wasties. Okay. Some matter of fact. Ooh. I'm probably gonna start sweating in a moment. That was there was that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean I prepped one too. It's yeah. Like Oh, um, truth or dare? Three quarters of an ounce? I'm going to say truth so you don't <laughs> make me do it. <laughs> oh. I'm just going to truth my way to the finish line. Well, technically, I'm in charge, and I can say that's not allowed. <laughs> I'll still do. Okay, fine. I'll, uh, I did truth last time, didn't I? You okay. Did hit, me, hit me with a dare. A dare? I'll do a dare. Okay. I dare you. To write a theme song for Serious and Sober. Right here on the spot? Yeah. Can I grab my guitar? Oh, please, yes. Okay, be right back. Okay, I will be here and excited and patiently waiting while Al gets their amazing guitar. It is a really cool guitar. I Unless they have more than one guitar, which they might. I guess I'm gonna find out in a moment and so will you. This is exciting. I don't know how long it'll take because I don't know how far away they keep their guitar. 
I am starting to feel that hot sauce though. Oh my goodness. I am. I wish that banana wasn't covered in hair. <laughs> you know, water doesn't help as much. I should have thought about this when I got, when I was preparing this, but I don't know why I hoped I'd be okay. Mm. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here's the theme song to Serious and Sober. There's a podcast I like to listen to. It's for me and it is also for you. I will listen to it from November all the way around to October. It's called Serious and it is called Sober. It's Raylock Dust listenership is a must. You do truth or dare and you find out all about poo and stuff. If you want to come and one of us will see it. But it's probably not going to be Ray because she sits too far from her computer screen. It is serious and sober, baby. It is serious and sober, baby. It is serious and sober, baby, all of the time. How was that? I loved it. I do have one complaint, though. What's that? Um, you did misgender me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, fuck. I'm really sorry. I understand that you were caught up in song, and I will forgive you. <laughs> that was not my intention. I'm very sorry. I, I don't think you went into it being like, <laughs> No, I, yeah, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Um, besides that, though, it was lovely, and I, um, the, the October rhyme made me happy. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie. I thought of that on my way back with the guitar. I was like, I got to rhyme sober somewhere in there. Yeah, that was, it was a good one. I, I really liked it. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll actually use a theme song. <laughs> yeah. I, I am available to write it for you. I won't make that mistake again. I promise you that. Amazing. I, I might take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't expect me to put too much time into it. <laughs> well, I think I trust your improvisational skills to give me something good quickly. So, you know. Cool. <laughs> if, if, if you don't like what I put out there, we can recruit Velvet to take over for the vocals. I mean, I'm not much of a singer. Oh my God, can I have Overdue do my theme song? <laughs> <laughs> yes, as long as you agree to a five minute guitar solo in there somewhere. I mean, you get you get what you ask for. You want <laughs> there's gonna be a five minute guitar epic. Maybe that could be like the closing credits for a credit sequence that uh, I don't have. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just start making up roles and positions and just to have like a five minute long credit and credits roll. And then uh, I can just solo over it. It'll be perfect. I love that idea so much. I'm, I'm the gag of joke credits is one of my favorite finishes to any project. So, oh gosh. Yeah, I love that kind of thing too. Okay. I, oh gosh. And I just started school and this project just got twice as big, but that's okay. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, uh, I didn't really like that song. So it's, it was catchy. Yeah, it's in my head now. Uh, uh, okay. Is is it your it's your turn, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Truth or dare? Um truth. Okay. What is the worst that you've bombed? Okay, this is gonna sound so conceited, but I've never bombed. Never bombed. How well how long have you been doing it? Okay, I I am baby. I started doing stand-up last April, but I also started doing okay. My my first stand-up was technically three years ago. Uh-huh. And then I did it like six months after that. And then I did it that time I went to New York. Cool. And then I started last year in April. All right. And then I started doing it regularly then. So like, I know the bomb is coming and the longer I go without it, the worse it's going to be. And I'm just like, I know. Like I've, I've come off of shows feeling that they weren't my best. Mm -hmm. But never felt like you just tanked it. No. Nice. Hey, that's that's something else. That's pretty special. I I feel like I, I it's a practice in self-awareness maybe. <laughs> now I'm yeah. sure. I don't know. No, I mean like you know, it's I can't say it's not inevitable. <laughs> not, to, not to curse you with it, but like hey, that's a pretty good track record. You should be proud of yourself. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I as long as it doesn't happen like during like my first hour or something. Oh god, am I uh, bombing yeah. for a whole hour is like a literal nightmare. Oh yeah, I've done that. It sucks. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> I once had to I I, I was dating this this girl whose family they were like they used to organize and run a bible quoting competition and they had like locals and then regionals and like even and so on and so on and her family she had four siblings and they were bible quoting champions it was like one of those their family had this legacy of just being dominant in the sport of quoting the bible so uh, there would be like after locals, there would be the regional thing in Muskoka. And I had just, I pretty much just started out doing stand up. And they recruited me to be the comedic act one of the nights for a full hour. And like, I'm not religious, I'm an atheist. So I like, I was thrust into this situation, not even having like five minutes of material to my name, if that. And I just had to stretch out an hour. And it was painful and it sucked. And about half after a half hour of just sweating and tanking and not being able to relate to these kids of all ages and these parents who are super religious, 
I eventually just turned it into like improv games. I just started guiding everyone in an improv game game fest for the last half hour. And it saved the set, but it sucked. It was just, I remember by the end of the set, I was like, I am gonna have to break up with her now. <laughs> Their family is never gonna wanna see me again. So I might as well just cut ties. Move away. Yeah, so naturally I dated her for another two years and then broke up with her after that. Oh, okay. After a different traumatic instance or just delayed? No, I just really, I just waited for the right moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, that is a really good, like, workaround for that bomb, though. So, like, being given a whole hour when you don't have five minutes, or it's, wow. I, yeah, I, I had 40 minutes. I was given 40 minutes when I had just five. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, I was fortunate that I was the only comedic act because it was, um, it was a, a friend of mine. I, God, I talk about her so much on the show. <laughs> Van Corvid was doing um, a series um, called 12, 12, 12. So for a whole year she did, um, she followed the Zodiac and did a show based around each Zodiac. Right. So for the Leo, she, which is a fire sign, she did a bonfire and had me come on as a storyteller comedian. Cool. So I just took my stories and stretched them out and talked until she told me to stop. Nice. So like, I expected, that was also the first time my family came to see me do comedy. Wow. Like that is the setup for a first bomb. Yeah, that's a high pressure situation. Yeah. And I just like, I assumed like it was okay. Like, like whatever. I just like, it wasn't the worst. I entertained people. And then I met someone at a party who remembered me and was just like, you were so amazing. And like, like, like looked me up after that. And like, are you watching? Person whose name I forget. My biggest Identify name. yourself, person. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> but yeah, it was a thing that happened where someone was just like, hey, you're so-and-so. And I was just like, well, now I'm right, but yes. <laughs> cool, that's badass. That's a great feeling. Yeah, I I was remembered. Especially <laughs> because it always it comes out of nowhere. It always sidewinds you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've had I've had experiences like that with my acting as well. Like even doing like like community theater plays and having like 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 when I lived in Aurelia and having like all the little old ladies recognize me in the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love it when it happens at like a, at a really less than flattering moment. Like if I'm fucking picking my nose at a bus stop and someone's like, hey. <laughs> You're like, no, that's not me. You got me confused with somebody else. Yes. I'm a banker. <laughs> Hello. I'm like a bank. I'm an investment bank. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was my truth. So truth or dare. Um, did I do truth last time? I think I did, right? Yeah, you did. Okay, dare, dare me something. Okay. No, I did I... dare, right? I did the song. Oh my god, how could I? I think it was just such a special moment that I was just like, that wasn't a thing. That was just something that happened. That was just a fact of the day. Okay, I'll do, I'll do a dare so I can do a truth next. I'll get this goddamn dare business over with. Goddamn dare business, yeah. Um, okay, I dare you 
to um do you I have, have this okay. i have this eyeliner shit that i have a deck of cards i have a pretty much finished tub of hummus I oh, have oh okay so you did the hummus i want you to um simba yourself across the forehead okay you can remove the bandana if you'd like do uh do you have the soundtrack to the lion king to play alongside this um i can recreate it if you'd like what um from the day we arrived on the planet, it's more to see than can ever be seen, more to do than can ever be done. It's a circle It consumes us all. Okay. This is a good hummus, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so you should feel honored that I would waste some perfectly good hummus rubbing it on my forehead. This is this is this ain't the president's choice shit. This is Fontaine Sante. Ooh, French that hummus. Is good hummus. Everybody knows the best hummus comes from Paris. <laughs> no, the best hummus comes from Hummus France. It's not hummus unless it comes from Hummus France. After that, it's just pureed chickpea. Exactly. <laughs> Knock off crap. <laughs> um. Well, like, I don't think I need you waste the hummus as much as you're just saving it for later and maybe warming it up. Yeah, some nice warm forehead flavored hummus. Oh, I know what like. tastes like. <laughs> I guess you'll find out. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. Okay. How long do I have to keep this on? Oh, um, that can be as long as you want. That is that is yours to decide. Okay, dokie, your turn. Truth or dare? Let's see. Dare. Um. Hmm. I dare you to smash that pumpkin on the floor. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I am indoors. <laughs> Too much. All right. What is behind the serious and sober sign? Oh, it is a mirror. It's just holding it up. Okay. You have a mirror. Do you, you have, okay. What's the red thing there in front of the sign? Is that a tube of lipstick or something? Yes, it's lipstick. Okay. I dare you to apply that lipstick without using the mirror. Or the computer screen. I want you to face. I'll close my eyes. Okay, close your eyes. Yeah, close your eyes and apply the lipstick. Okay. The lipstick is like kind of dying, so I can't guarantee. It's quality, but I can guarantee mine. Okay, do your best. Shit, you've done this before. <laughs> it's, you're doing it too confidently for my liking. Oh man, you nailed it. I was hoping for like a hummus situation. Um, do you forget I'm a professional artist? Oh, frig. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm taking this stupid hummus off my head. <laughs> As revenge for my good lipstick ability. <laughs> yeah. 
There, I'll eat it to complete the dare. Mm-hmm. There, perfect. I'm glad that that happened. Oh, that's gross. Okay. <laughs> Tastes my own forehead. <laughs> How was it? Tastes like salt. Malt? Tastes like salt and foundation. Oh, salt and foundation. That makes more sense. <laughs> or like fault. It, t- it, smelled, it tastes like it was my fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if shame and embarrassment had a flavor, it would taste like forehead hummus. You know what? I'm sure you're not far off. Yeah, <laughs> sounds appropriate. Yeah. All right. Um, truth or dare? Truth. Truth. Okay. Have you ever been accused of exaggerating or faking your identity for the um, benefits and like enhances that you've had for your comedy? Not to my face. I uh, I don't know. I don't engage with the rumor mill. I, I don't have time for that kind of thing. But I have. I mean, it's, I've heard passing comments from people about other queer comics being like, nah, I don't know about them, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, there is no, I mean, why uh, why bother yourself with that kind of thing? It's other people's business to begin with. And, and furthermore, like what difference does it make to those people? I just think that whenever I hear somebody disqualify somebody based on speculation like that, they lose all credibility in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know, like, I, I don't know if people, if that's what people are saying about me, but I think by now I've proven that it's, it's fucking, it's real, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what people think about me is none of my business. <laughs> if you think I'm faking it, then go ahead. What people think about me is none of my business. I really like that as um, someone who is obsessed with what people think of me too. Um, it's my anxiety disorder. Um, wow. I just, that's a good sentence and I liked it. Do you want me to put it on a billboard so you can drive by it? Yes, please. Okay. I need another billboard. <laughs> I mean, it's easier said than done. Like I, I like that advice too. The first time I heard that it really, felt very profound, but at the same time, I get it. Like, I, I care what people think. I know I just dismissed it like I don't, but shit like that, I mean, it, it depends what people are saying about me. There are some things that I would take offense to, but something like that is just unfounded and silly. So it all depends It all depends on how it taps into your own insecurities, how valid it is. So yeah. I think the more invalid some rumor mill accusation is, the less you need to bother about it. Although I have, I mean, I've, I've caught people spreading rumors about me before that were uh, frustrating. So it, it was more the idea of like having to squash something that was so high school that really bothered me. Yeah. People yeah, think they hooked up with me when, when we didn't. It's just I like that really bothered me. Yeah, that is... Ooh, I, I don't have another word except for gross. Well, I do have another word, but yeah, gross. Really gross. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Has anybody ever spread a shit about you? Like, um, yeah. As far as I know, not like um through like the entertainment vine. Mm-hmm. Um, I do 
have like, um, there's like, I have the biggest, my, one of my biggest fears is like the rumor being that I'm not a good person or something. Mm-hmm. So like every time I have like any kind of like negative and like anything with someone, I'm just like, this is it. That's, that's, they're just going to tell everyone that I'm a jerk and everyone's going to think I'm a jerk. And then that's it. No one will want to deal with me anymore. Even yeah. though it'll be things like I, um, I'm not going to like my names, but like there was a comedian I like, like had a, there was just a total misinterpretation of like, I was trying to be helpful and they thought I wasn't trying to be helpful. And it just like turned into a thing. So then I just ended the conversation and stopped talking to them. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, they probably think I'm a huge jerk because I didn't clarify. And I just like, it's, it was just such a huge misunderstanding that it just like, I could not fix the situation. Yeah. So it's just like, I just get so worried about like, it, again, like it was something small that happened last year, uh, small, <laughs> but it was just like, it's still something that I'm just like, oh God, I hope that's not like a thing of just, I, and it's literally just me being like someone thinking I'm mean is the outcome of this. But see, I totally get that. I really relate to that too. Like I, I, at the, at the cost of authenticity sometimes, like, honestly, I'll, I'll show up to some shows feeling absolutely depressed and just in my head just in that black hole of depression mm-hmm. and it's exhausting putting on a face not just for an audience but for your colleagues for other comics who are like who want to hang out who are excited to see you people I, I like i to put on that face part of the motivating factor is that i don't want like as much as i want to be by myself or just not be here in general on some nights I still have to turn on the charm just because I am afraid of developing some kind of a reputation based on that one experience. Somebody being like, yeah, I heard Al was a nice person, but they were a dismissive, rude asshole to me. And, and I don't know. So I get it is my point. I, I try and treat everybody with kindness and with open arms, but there's sometimes like I'll I'll engage with somebody on Facebook who has a reputation of being an asshole. Like nobody likes them, and I will still give them too much rope and enough and too much benefit of the doubt, and I'll still engage with them too much because part of me wants to help them not be an asshole. Maybe, yeah. but I know that's unrealistic, and I think the other part is a probably an unhealthy amount of people pleasing and just wanting to not be on anyone's bad side yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i i understand (laughs) i um when it comes to like like socializing with other comedians because i am um i am painfully shy like Mm -hmm. i i cannot like start a conversation it is just like, like, it is so hard for me. So it's just like when I go to shows and stuff, I will literally just like sit there and I will wait for my turn to do my thing. And then I will go up, do my thing. And then I will just sit back down. Right. And like, unless someone talks to me, I usually will not say a single word except for when I'm on stage mm-hmm. and like greeting whoever's like running the show. And like, I'm always, I'm always polite. I'm just like, so so shy at times that I'm afraid that it'll make me look impolite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's it's interesting opening up about that kind of thing and talking to other comedians about it because I, 
the surprising thing, or maybe not so surprising, is that so many of us are in introverts and we're all kind of, not all, but like most of us feel the same way. And the irony is that we're all sitting in this room together, reluctant to speak to each other, paranoid about it, anxious, but we're all fighting against that. And we're all experiencing that same imposter syndrome and that same uh, paranoia at how we're coming across to everybody else. Yeah. It's interesting I've, at how uh, deceptively universal that feeling is. Yeah. I honestly like, like what, like being like being baby in the comedy scene, <laughs> it's just like, like I go into situations and I see people like, like greeting each other and then like walking away from each other. It's being like, Oh, hi, how are you? And then like they leave and then every now and then there'll be like a small click, but I don't think it's like, clicky clicks i think it's just literally oh you've talked to me before <laughs> yeah, yeah totally and that is like that is something i literally just realized now as i was saying it so yeah yeah i i'm curious to know statistically even like how many comedians hang out with each other outside of shows how many of them are would consider each other friends because a lot of the time we're just, it's like high school. We're just stuck with each other, you know, and you got to just make do. So I am curious when these people cliqueify themselves, it's just, it's probably, these are just people that they know better than other people. And they're just trying not to be alone. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like, even I've, I've had people like, I don't know that well sit with me at shows and I'll just be like, okay. Mm -hmm. fine like because like I don't mind I like pretty much as soon as someone like actually like asserts a conversation with me I don't stop talking <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> not, not that that's a bad thing I mean that's great yeah I um, my, my, my thing is names I'm just awful at remembering names so <laughs> kind of by default I can't befriend these people because I'm like it's too late now I don't know what their name is and that's going to be an awkward conversation on the third, fourth time meeting them being like, Hey, Brian, and they'll be like, no, it's David. You're like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm so bad with names as well. And I like, I have catered my language and speaking style to avoid saying names ever. Mm-hmm. I just do not use names in conversation and like I'm trying to get better at it. It is something that like like through improv training and like, like everything it was just like, yeah, name people in your scenes. It makes people more real. And I'm like, oh yeah, and I should just like name people in life, I guess. Yeah. And it, I can't because I like I have such bad imposter syndrome. I am a creature of huge, huge self-doubt. Like I um I have genuinely been making out with someone and wondered if they liked me <laughs> or like questioned if it's okay to call my mom mom okay the second one is more interesting to me than the first yeah the other one is just a thing that happened recently <laughs> okay is, the, is does that i don't want to i don't want to impose or dig too deep i don't want to be nosy but is is yeah. does that imply any sort of um Ten tension in the relationship is that sort of oh um so it, it was um it was with my girlfriend's wife so mm -hmm. so like i you know i already wondered if she liked me right so, but then then it was just like i think she does 
Oh, I was talking about the mom thing. Oh my God, I thought you were talking about the makeout thing. Yes, um, even though you said that you weren't asking about that. Yes, um, it does have an impact on the relationship I have with my mother. Um, <laughs> not making out with her, of course, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, why am I like this? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I have like a weird relationship with my mom um, where um, where she's racist and I'm not. So we have mm -hmm. some strain. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, um, I called her on her birthday in August. <laughs> and that's the, the last of the communications between the two of you? Yeah, she, um, she... Well, like I've, I reached out to her on Facebook and she didn't answer. Mm -hmm. And um, she did set before her birthday, she sent me a message through my dad's Facebook saying that she loved me and she used my name. Okay. Which is huge because, um, well, I came out almost three years ago now mm -hmm. and they still don't use my pronouns. Do you think it's out of out of spite or just out of habit, or do you think they're in the first? Uh, they're in the denial stage of the five stages of grief. It's it has been denial. Like like they have genuinely gone through stages of grief. Um, like they've had anger, denial. Um, I'm just waiting for acceptance. Um, I I feel like they keep going back. Like like because it is normal to like like reshift the stages. Mm -hmm. And pretty much, like, like you can go in between them until acceptance, and acceptance is supposed to be the final stage. Right. But um, this is also something that I haven't technically learned yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, yeah. if they're still reaching out that they love you, that's uh, I like to think that counts for something. Oh, that's that's yeah. the one thing that I've learned over my own coming out process, is that the people that love you are going to fuck up a lot. They're going to fuck up a lot. And there are going to be times where you want to just cut them out entirely. But that's, yeah, it just, I, and I'm not speaking for you. I, I can't speak for your experience at all. I'm just speaking for myself here. Well, of course. But um, in the end, it's, they're going to make a shit ton of mistakes and they are going to hurt you. But there is a sort of, there is that grieving process and different people take different amounts of time. Different people process things differently. People, sometimes their impulses get the better of them too. And yeah. I, maybe I'm giving everybody in my life too much credit, but when it comes down to it, when you strip away, uh, when you strip away the behavior itself and really analyze the intent behind it, sometimes it's, it's not, I mean, most of the time it's not malicious. And if yeah. it is, then fuck yeah, that's an abusive relationship. You need to get the hell out of there. But yeah, and I'm still like trying to read if it is like how malicious it is because like there is like I am like actively like mocked and ridiculed, but then I also will like ask like like Hey Dad, why are you weird about trans stuff? And he'll be like, because I don't understand it and it scares me. And I'm just like, that's it. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Focus on that. And he's just like, No, I never said that. I'm just like, You said it twice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just it is a hot mess of hey everyone pay attention to me and then they get distracted so I'm just like oh, I'm getting right it, it, to me it's analogous of the coming out process itself like again speaking for myself it's almost like every queer experience you're dipping your toes in the water 
and then backing out and like recoiling and being like, well, that felt weird. That's not me. I don't know, compartmentalizing it, locking into it, locking it into a box and then going out a little bit further into the water and then dipping out and being like, I, I, I don't know, that still weirds me out. Not cool with it. Yeah. That's why I think like to be an ally of a queer person, having never been one before, not having practiced it, there is a certain a level of a by proxy, like repression and compartmentalization where they're like, I got close to accepting it and that felt too weird for me. That was too much cognitive dissonance. That was just too much stress in my head. So I'm going to back out and then I'll engage with it again later when I'm ready for it. So that's, I'm not, I'm not trying to give too much credit to people when it's hurtful and abusive, but I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of the time that accepting somebody that you love as coming out has its own sort of similarities to coming out itself, you know? Yeah. It's a mutual growing experience. Yeah. And a lot of the time, like, like when you come out to someone, you've had time to sit on it. Yeah. And I think like giving people time to sit on information before you react is so important. Cause like, I admit that I did not come out in a, like I did not come out thoughtfully because I, I didn't know what I was doing. I don't, I'm not experienced with it. Now I'm really good at coming out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm great at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But um, like when I first came out, I was so like, like I was also very like timid about it because like I didn't want to inconvenience anyone too much. So I'd be like, if you could, I would like if you use these pronouns, please. And now I'm just like, just use the fucking pronoun. So hard is it? Yeah. <laughs> It's been three years right? and I, and I feel like, um, cause like there were points where I did get frustrated and angry at the beginning. And that is a combination of me just emotionally not knowing how to handle things as they were happening. And a little bit of me having borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> cause I can't leave that factor out when it comes to considering my reactions to things. Yeah. Right. That's gotta be kind of, can I ask about that? That's got to be confusing at times. Like, how do you sort of uh, distinguish between a reaction that feels a little bit more authentic to you and and as opposed to reactions that you think are sort of getting blown out of proportion or carried away or, or far too influenced by uh, your symptoms? Yeah, um, there are so many different ways and I have to use different ones. Like there's no, oh yes, I just do this and then it works every time. Like there are, um, like sometimes I just have to ground myself and slow down and start breathing. Mm -hmm. And then it will, I'll just like, and then slowing down allows the thought to stretch out. And then I eventually catch up with it and I can distinguish the difference there. When I, um, I call it spinning or spiraling, that is when I will like, I physically need to sit down mm -hmm. because it, if I sit on the floor because it grounds me. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Um, I like, I also will like break down what people say and like what words are like, like I first, like, like when I, when I notice myself getting upset, I, because I, it helps because for me, I hold a lot of my, my anxiety and my emotions. I hold them physically so I can feel like I have like, like anxieties here, depressions here. And when it's kind of like here is when I have to worry. Mm -hmm. 
because it's like I always have that pain, that heavy pain in my chest. It never goes away. Right. Um, it's that is just the anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So it's, but it's just like when, when the other ones, like even, um, like there've been moments while like, like during this show, while I've talked about things and like things have gotten a bit heavy, I felt like my stomach kind of like, <laughs> mom. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting is then I just have to, like, I just take a moment and I just think like, like, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? How serious is it? So it's like, how strong is the feeling? And then what is causing it? Mm -hmm. So then I break it down. So it's just like, I just have to overanalyze and think about absolutely everything is my workaround. It is just, just think. Cause yeah. like I, I also have ADHD. Right. So it's just like, like, so then there's also like, is this a symptom of ADHD, BPD, or is, is this an actual hard thing? <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. That's, that's a tough position to be in for sure. But at least uh, uh, by necessity, it kind of makes you very well exercised in uh, engaging with a thought, engaging with your own emotions, right? Yeah. Probably absolutely. makes you a lot more emotionally intelligent than most people. I do have a high emotional intelligence, yes. <laughs> I, I think that is, like, that's actually, like, like why I'm going into social work and studying that, because I, I want to use my gifts for good. Nice. Yeah, I'm so excited. Like, honestly, I've been... Social work is my fourth post-secondary program. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time I felt like it was right. Like I've enjoyed and been excited about everything. Like I went to school for nursing and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna save people. And then I was like, I hate this. And I left. And then I went to school for acting and I was like, I love this, I'm gonna be an actor. And then like, just like it was the Toronto Film School and it was just awful. So I was just like, I'm leaving and I left. And then I went to school for makeup and I was just like, that's it. I've been a makeup artist for five years at that point. And I'm just like, I'm going to get my actual like, diploma in it, and then I'm going to start a real career. And through that program and doing all of like the social projects, I was just like, no, I need to do something else. Like yeah. I love art. I love being in the entertainment industry. The entertainment industry will always be a part of my life. I am. It's just who I am. But I do also need to do this. And so it's just like I was... um. I was talking to my girlfriend and she was saying like she could see me ending up like like doing something where I'm like like I she has a bit more faith in me than I do but she's like yeah when you're like a successful comedian and you're traveling around and then you'll be doing like social work on the side and I'm just like I totally had it backwards but okay huh? <laughs> I like I like your I like your perspective yeah that's very ambitious I love it it's great yeah what a novelty that would be amazing yeah I, I do know some comedians who do inspirational speaking on the side so there's kind of a similarity there yeah i would love to do that i i just like to talk about positive things yeah god knows the world needs a lot more of that shit right now yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah all right um how are you feeling um i I wouldn't mind rapping soon. I'm honestly yeah. feeling a little tired. Yeah, I, I did notice a little eye drop and I looked at the time. Despite me not wearing my glasses, I can read it slightly. It's you're, you're sharp. You're sharp, baby. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we um, do you want to do one round each or just close it? How are you feeling? Uh, one more round of truth. 
for both of us. And All right. We'll close it out. I'll put. I'll do a hummus facial and go to bed. Perfect. All right. Um. Oh gosh, do you remember whose turn it is? Did you just do a truth? I think maybe. Yes, you. Yes, yes. You asked a question. So about bombing, I think, is how we got here. Yeah, that was. It was five hours ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So for your final truth, um, I kind of want to make up a new one. Oh my goodness. I was like, I have my, my chosen questions, but I'm just like, oh, I just have so much to say all the time. <laughs> okay. Um, in the new age of COVID, what do you see, how do you see um, comedy developing and changing? Um, I've always been, I've always been a firm believer in, adapt or perish sink or swim mm -hmm. and so whenever whenever i hear i mean every gig that i've done at a, at a shit bar with terrifying patrons uh, un, 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 not ideal conditions crappy sound whatever lighting i don't know every shit bar gig that i've done in 14 years has always been make it work you're here you have to make it work adapt so if, if that means improvising, if that means doing crowd work, if that means pointing at the art on the walls and making fun of that shit, adapt, find a way to make it work. So that's a long way to go to say, I think that um, you're just going to see a lot more online content. Stand-up is not going to be as stand-up-y as it was. And maybe Zoom shows will have a small bit of a renaissance. Not even a renaissance. Like... A, Zoom shows might take off a little bit. There might be, but I think they're going to stay niche. And I think most comedians you're going to see move towards like a, a social media platform. I think podcasting uh, with actual faces, like video podcasting is going to skyrocket already, more than it already is a thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just going to be packaged a lot more quantity over quality, just face-to-face -face engagement. This kind of thing, honestly, I, and who knows, somebody might break through on some, like, I don't know, some, see, I don't, I can't even say, there might be some Zoom sketcher improv formatting that's, that'll break new ground. There are yeah. pioneers out there, I'm sure, working on some new formats out of necessity. So I don't think that comedy's ever going to die. I think anybody who says something like that is up their own ass, <laughs> but I, you know, it'll change. But it'll it'll always be there. Yeah. Um, as a as a off topic unrelated um, or okay as a as a tie in to last week's episode, uh, <laughs> do you feel that comedy is being negatively impacted by cancel culture? Um. Yes and no. I think. Uh, I think it's interesting that some of the people who are of the more despicable variety who continue to exist uh, have been transparently so since the beginning. And it's all about branding, not to sound, not to like, not to be so pragmatic about it, but I think it's about branding. Like somebody like Joey Diaz, who is a scumbag, pretty much told people from the start he was a scumbag, which kind of in essence, just makes him uncancelable. Like, that is his crowd. Mm -hmm. 
like identifies them that way and and pays them for it. So where I think cancel culture uh, gets a bit too strict is when somebody makes a mistake and their their apology is is sort of dissected and scrutinized into something less authentic. Like where an apology, it seems like they're, we have very strict rules on what a good apology is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it has very much to do with the apology itself. I think it's just the way people feel about the comedian. Yeah. So I do think I have my concerns about cancel culture, but at the same time, I still think in some spaces it does perform the function it's meant to. Mm -hmm. There will always be people who take it out of hand. Some people are the, like, who would be like, they're wearing a red bandana. They're, they're appropriating <laughs> crip culture. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I, I like to believe that in the end, your reputation will always precede you. And if you're a good person off stage, then your, your intent will always come through. That's my very measured response. <laughs> what do okay. you think? I, I think so much. <laughs> I think that it is, um, I, I, I do agree with you that it's both like a good and bad thing because I think that like it does, like, like sometimes it goes too far. But I do also think that it is, in a way it's like forcing people to be better mm -hmm. because it doesn't, give you that leeway to just rely on the shock value humor of just like, oh, you just said cunt, like I'm so excited. It's just like, you have to earn your cunt now. Yeah. I like to think it'll make people second guess the content that they put out there. Yeah. And the intent behind it. I just think, uh, yeah. So in that sense, it does serve a really great purpose. It puts people on edge, but I think, uh, where it becomes a gray area is that it might err on the side for some people who are oversensitive. It might make them be less honest about how they feel about something and to hold back about something that you, that you authentically feel about, you could be holding back on an opportunity to relate to somebody else who feels the same way and is too afraid to say so. So in that sense, I worry, you know? Yeah. I've built my career the past two years on like relating to people I never knew existed out there. So honesty is still really important. Yeah. Even if it's gross. <laughs> like me, I'm gross. No, you're not. What is that? I'm How just talking parts. How dare you speak about yourself that way? Fine. Get that negative self-talk the fuck out of here. Fine. I'm terrific. I'm wonderful. I'm great. And so are you, actually. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm in here. <laughs> That's so sweet. You are awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on this thing. This is cool. Yeah. Th thank you so much for coming. Um, did you want to do a last truth for me? Or yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. hmm. One more truth. One more truth. Okay. Let's, let's do this. If you, um, if you could go back to you at roughly 13 to 15 years old, and if you could give them, if you had 60 seconds, I can time it out. If you had 60 seconds 
to uh, bestow any kind of wisdom, advice, whatever. What would you tell yourself? What would you tell yourself at, at 13 to 15 years old? Hey, I just want you to know that you're not alone and that learning to talk and communicate with others will help you. And just don't be afraid to reach out to people like you have been. You're okay and you will be okay. You just have to keep moving forward. Words to live by. Pretty universal. Very nice. Thank you. All right. And with that, that um, concludes our game of truth or dare. Do you feel like you have been truthed? I, I don't know what I, where I was going with that sentence. Yeah, I've been truthed. You've I've been, been dared. I've been truthed. You've been hummused. I've been hummused. I've tasted my own skin. It's been a day for you, hasn't it? It has. No wonder I'm so exhausted. Uh, I have that effect on people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will... And our broadcast here. This has been serious and sober. I am Ray Loctus, and I've been here with Al Val. If you want to um, continue to follow the adventures of Serious and Sober, um, you can find me at Ray Loctus Comedy, and you can also find Al at Al Val Comedy or Comedian Comedy. Al Val Comedy. That's right. <laughs> been hanging it all day. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I'm going to awkwardly lean over and end our broadcast. Thank you everyone so much for joining in, watching, and being with us. You've been amazing, and I love you all. Bye.